Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for episode 51 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. You can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 51. So, you know, when, when it comes to prospecting and selling, I think that most of us ultimately want the easy way out. You know, we want that that gimmick, that trick that will put our prospecting kind of an autopilot would just make it a lot easier and just bring people to us, right? Or, you know, if it's outbound prospecting, we want that trick that's just that silver bullet that's just going to um, get all or as many prospects as possible to to just respond and just be in awe of, of our message and what we have to offer. But, you know, I think we ultimately know that at the end of the day, if, if the trick, the gimmick, or, or the technique is not based on strong fundamentals, it's going to have a very, very short life. And by strong fundamentals, I'm talking about if it's, uh, it has to be based on something timeless. It has to be based on something that ultimately matters to the prospect, not on some shiny object, not on some gimmick or trick that you know it's working just because it's new or because it's different and and so forth. And one of the many things that I love about my colleague Jill Conrath is that all her advice is based on strong fundamentals. She really understands human nature. She understands what decision makers want, what keeps them up at night and how to continue the conversation that's already going on in their heads, which ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what great copywriting, that's what great um, prospecting is, is, is all about. It's continuing that conversation already going on in your prospect's mind, in, in their head. So in this episode, Jill's coming back onto the show. It's been a long time since we've had her on. And she's going to explain a few um, key items that, that are very, very relevant for us today. Number one, she's going to be talking about why selling has changed so drastically over the past 10 years. Uh, she's also going to talk about why you need to adopt a different approach to your own marketing and selling efforts. And then how simple shifts in the way you approach your prospecting can have a dramatic impact on your income. Simple shifts in the way you talk to prospects and in, in what you say, what you approach them about and so forth. So I think you're really going to enjoy this talk. Jill is a fantastic guest. She's so fun to, to just to talk with. She's a very smart lady and uh, she really understands her world because she really is a an independent professional. She is a solo professional, and she's built an entire business uh, for herself using these same strategies. She really eats her own medicine. So anyway, let's get right to it. Hey, Jill, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here again. I'm glad to be here again, Ed. Well, let's you, you know you got um, you got a lot going on here, and we've had you on the show before, but. 
I know many listeners might not be familiar with you. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, especially if you can start with maybe kind of the world you came in from, because I know that <laughs> y- y- you, you have a really interesting background as someone who went from kind of a traditional career to becoming a, a consultant, a solo professional. So right. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I started actually as a high school teacher. Not a lot of people know that and, and was a very miserable high school teacher. It wasn't the right job for me. And I came up with an idea to start a company and, um, and put together a business plan and went to the Service Corps of Retired Execs. And they said, this is really a good plan. And then they looked at me and the two other people I had engaged with my idea. And they said, now, which one of you is going to sell? And I looked at them absolutely horrified <laughs> because I thought I had a good business idea. And they said, well, you know, I did say, I thought you said this was a good idea. And the guy said, uh, well, it is, Jill, but somebody has to sell it. And so my two friends looked at me, and they weren't looking at each other. And I finally looked at the guy who was from the, the government agency, and I said, we're going to have to talk about this. Because <laughs> it was not something I wanted to do. I mean, I, I wanted to do the work, but I didn't want to have to sell, because that was disgusting and degrading and manipulative and sleazy and all those other fine words that people use to describe it. So um, ultimately, uh, I was the one who was chosen to go into sales for this company to learn how to sell before we would start it. And I said to my colleagues, I said, I will do this for one year, one year alone, and then I am done with it and we'll start the company. But I got hired by Xerox and I discovered it was very different from what I thought and actually became enamored with the sales process itself because it was it was so fascinating how it wasn't at all what I thought it was. It was interesting. It was challenging. I was out there meeting a lot of people. So anyway, I worked for Xerox for five years, moved from small accounts to bigger accounts and sales management. And then I um, wanted to sell technology. So I jumped over and sold technology for a while. And then I quit and became a mother for about nine months. And that was as long as I could handle just being a mother. Um, and I started my own business at that point, and it was, and I was like everybody who's listening. And I was a freelancer who was uh, trying to get work to support my passion of working in certain areas. And so I had to build my own business, and I've had some up and down over the course of the years. And I've worked with a number of different clients, but uh, most of the time it's been good. There's been some times when it's been horrid, you know, when I had to re relearn a whole bunch of things because the world was not the way I thought it was. And I had to retool my own self mm-hmm. to be, to be productive today. So t- what do you, what's your focus today? Well, my focus today, um, I have been working for the last couple of years on helping people work with today's crazy, busy decision makers. So, you know, and a lot of times I've been working with people to help them set up meetings because, you know, if you're a small company trying to get into a bigger company, you know, that has deeper pockets and can pay you some money, everybody knows they don't answer the phone and they don't return your calls and they don't um, return your email messages. So for many years, I've been working in that arena, helping people capture and keep the attention of decision makers. But I'm moving more right now into a, a slightly different area, which is how do you get up to speed fast in, in what you're doing? So there are so many changes going on in the marketplace right now or with our buyers or, or with the products and services that we're selling. There's so many things that are happening that we really have to be quick to learn today. We have to be able to note what we have to learn, and then we have to really throw ourselves in in a whole new way than we've ever done before in order to um, 
not be walking through the valley of death, but actually to be doing the work we love to do. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So looking at the past 10 years or so, how has selling professional services and, of course, really selling anything, but professional services, how has that changed over the past 10 years? Well, I, I, it's changed in so many ways. I mean, the reality is people are outsourcing a lot more of this work, so there is more opportunity. And, you know, certainly a lot of people are freelancers that are listening. And, I mean, with the movement towards content marketing um, as a way to generate interest, et cetera, I mean, the, for many people listening, there, it's just been expanding. The market has been expanding. But so has the difficulty in reaching and connecting with the decision maker. That also has been expanding in, in difficulty. And so, um, so it's a time of great opportunity for somebody who will choose to learn what it takes to be successful. And I, and I say that very deliberately because everybody that I know, who, not everybody, but 99% of the people that I know who are in small business sort of have this feeling that you either have it in sales or you don't. And mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is that sales is a skill, just like writing is a skill or drawing is a skill. I mean, sales is a skill that can be learned, but most people don't have a clue where to start. And so they just kind of do what they think they're supposed to do, which really sucks for the most part. It's grossly ineffective. And then they get bad responses and then they throw up their arms and they go, well, see, I can't sell. I can't sell. But it's not true. They can't sell when they're selling badly. But if they would focus on what it took to be good at sales, they would feel clean doing it. And I mean clean because most people feel dirty when they're having to sell, quote, end quote. Um, you know, so they'd feel clean. They'd feel like they were valuable assets to people if they would be doing it the right way. But when they're doing it the wrong way, they just feel lousy and miserable at the same time. Well, and I know we could talk about this for for days, but, you know, maybe if you could summarize maybe just a few key points um, that that freelancers should focus on in terms of, um, you know, if they're trying to learn how to sell better, what would be the, the key areas or the key concepts they should really have down? Well, let me let me just say that there's a there's some mindsets that they have to assume before we get going on anything, okay? Um, and I mean it when I say that that success that success is a choice. I mean, you can say I'm going to try to sell my stuff, or you can say, God dang it, I'm going to figure this sucker out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole different thing. You know, and, and a lot of freelancers will try to contact a decision maker and they'll try to get into this company and they'll give it a little shot, and others will say. I'm going to figure it out. I was one of those ones who said, okay, I'm going to figure it out. And I gave myself that one year, you know, success to me was a choice. I was giving myself one year to figure this beast out. Um, So that's the first thing I'd say is realize that it is a choice and you can't try sales. You can't try to get into companies and hope that they do it. That doesn't work. You have to commit to it. Second thing I'd I'd say is that um, you're going to run into a lot of failure when you first try something new. Um, and you first attempt a new skill. And that is the same as if you were golfing or anything that you do new. You're lousy at it at first. And so you need to realize that everything that you do is a part of your learning experience and you are have to focus on getting better. And you can't say, oh, I failed. You have to say, well, <laughs> that didn't work. 
What do I need to learn to figure out what works? So how do I need to change my behavior? What do I need to improve on? Because it can work. There are other writers out there who are less talented than you are who are getting work because they've decided that they're going to figure it out. So, you know, you have to treat it as a learning experience and grow from it as opposed to saying, ah, I failed. I I just not cut out for this freelance life. I mean, the truth of the matter is you are cut out for it if you apply yourself and decide to figure out what works. Again, it goes back to that choice point. Um, I get kind of I guess I get kind of um, on a bandwagon about this, don't I? <laughs> no, but this is so important because you're so right. It breaks my heart to see so many talented freelancers just fail, fail. every year because mm-hmm. you're right, because that attitude, well, I'm not cut out for that part, you know? And I think the attitude was always, well, they should be able to see my talent. Like, you know, my work should speak for itself. And unfortunately, it just doesn't. I mean, that will only take you so far. That's right. And you better have a process. You better have a way to go about this because, and you need to practice that, especially if it doesn't come naturally, because really that's part of making it. Yes. So I I, I think you're, you're right in feeling passionate about this because really, if you don't have it, if you're not willing to go through this and, and like you said, having that mindset of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to succeed, then I I don't know if I'd even try. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth of it is, there are periods that are really hard at first. It, they just are hard, and you do make those mistakes. I mean, if it makes anybody feel better who is listening in, in my first year in sales, I had, I had some horrible times. I mean, I actually did something really stupid once. I had, um, I had been reading, again, because I'm studying selling as a skill. I had been reading a book over one weekend, and it said, you should never deal with the administrative assistant. They, they just simply don't have the power. And I kind of went, oh, my goodness. Just earlier this last week, I was cold calling. I found this lady named Tinsy, and she was really excited about copiers. But she was the administrative assistant. So I went, I have to, when I get back to the office on Monday, I'm going to call the boss and set up a meeting with the boss. And so I did. And, and later that week, I went into the meeting, and I'm standing in the lobby, of this office and and who should come down to escort me up to see the president of the company. But Tinsy, the very person who was looking at the copiers that I had talked with last week. And she said, Jill, what are you doing here? And I explained that I was here to talk to Mr. Big about their copier decision. And she laid into me and she started swearing at me. She got right up close to me and her finger was like right at pointing at my nose and she was, you know, poking it right in my face and swearing four letter words loud in the office and everybody was looking at me and I fainted dead away on the floor of the office. I mean I literally passed out. I was just mortified, you know? Because oh, <laughs> I clearly had blown it. Now I mean I don't think anybody who's listening in has ever passed out in front of a prospect before but I have. And I and when I talk about literally picking yourself up off the floor and going forward, I had one of those experiences and I woke up or came to and I was on the floor and that was when skirts were really short and my legs were not placed appropriately so I remember the first thing I did is you know got my legs together nicely and then they helped me up to the chair and and Tinsy said to me, "Are you okay?" And I said, I'll be, okay, I'll be okay. And she said that don't ever come back here again. <laughs> and I never did. Um, I never, ever did. 
But that's, I mean, I actually went through that, and most people did not have to pick themselves up. They didn't have to go through anything that was that bad. And why did I do it? Because I made that choice that I was going to figure this beast out so that I could start my own company and be successful. That's the only reason I did it. I did not learn how to sell because I wanted to sell. I learned how to sell because it gave me the capacity to do what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I say that there's no such thing as a selling gene. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah, but he's got the selling gene. She's got the selling. There's no, I was the same way. Like in college, I remember uh, I had a marketing professor who told us, let me tell you guys right now, for 90% of you, you're going to get started in sales. I almost ah. walked out of that lecture because I thought, what the <laughs> horror? Who does she think she is? Telling so me that, touch. ooh, that's so disgusting. That's disgusting. I will do anything mm-hmm. but sales. Yeah. And guess what? Every job interview I had was for a sales position. Wow. And, and you know, it's been like that ever since, right? It's um, r- really, it's, it, it's a great skill to have. I was not a natural born salesperson. Me neither. You know? Me neither. So let, let's talk about, in terms of, of selling skills, right? And mm-hmm. what, do, what do today's freelancers and consultants and solo professionals, what do they need to know and be good at doing today in order to succeed in this environment? They really need to understand their customer well. I mean, if I had to say one thing that I see is really lacking, it's people calling, wanting to talk about their stuff or share their writing, you know, let me tell you what I can do, as opposed to really understanding why somebody would want their work and, and how they, they would judge their work. Um, so, like, for example, a lot of um, people are selling to marketing departments these days. You know, because lead generation and demand gen and content is king right now. But do they really, really, truly understand what's going on in the mind of the marketer and how they're being judged? Do they understand their customer? Have they done that research? Do they know what's important? Can they talk the language of the marketer? Um, and Or do they just want to write? You know what I'm saying? It's like you really have to understand who your buyer is at a deeper level than you think that you need to. And you need to do your homework before you contact anybody. I mean, you know, the fact is that you should never be contacting somebody until you check them out on LinkedIn. And oh, gosh, yes. learn something about them so you have some idea about, you know, where they come from and what they do. You should never be contacting a company until you have some idea about how their writing might be used and what they might be using, you know, and different aspects of, of how what you do could help their business. I mean, nobody wants writing because they want writing. They want writing because it leads to something. And the conversation should be about what it leads to, not that I'm a writer. And you, you know, it's, it's interesting how few people, and I'm not pointing out, listen, I, I'm, I've been the same way many times in my career, how many people think, well, I need to audit. They focus on automation, mm-hmm. right? And efficiency mm-hmm. instead of, you know what, I'm going to take my time instead of going after right. 20 or 30 people and trying to make this as quickly as possible, I'm going to focus on these three. And I'm really going to dig deep and find Mm -hmm. out more about what they're doing and see if I can find some opportunities there that I can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just share a story. My daughter right now is applying for a copywriting position. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. I've corresponded (laughs) with her in the past. You have. (laughs) I I know that she's interested in that. Yeah, she, that's right. She is. And she's um, uh, been working in a, in a slightly different field and wants to move into her passion, which is actually doing writing. And, and she's very good at it. And one of the things she did is she, she applied at this company, but she actually put together 
a, a, an ebook for this company about seven ways this company could benefit from her services. And in order to do that, she had to do some significant research and she poked around on their own website to figure out where she could add value. Oh, wow. So she's actually producing a whole ebook. Is she going to like lay it out and everything so it looks nice? And- she, she actually sent it to them as instead of a, she you know, contacted them because they said they were looking for a company. And, she, and so then as part of her own package and her own idea, she put together an ebook. Instead of sending the resume, she put together the ebook on seven reasons. Okay, so if that doesn't really turn some heads, I, I don't know what would. Well, it really turned some heads fast, let me just say, because she produced content to, to actually apply for a content-producing position. Mm-hmm. You know, she produced an ebook, and, and part of her job would have been to produce ebooks. Well, you know, not just for, an ebook, right? Because it's the effort involved, but the fact that it was, it was handcrafted, right? This is absolutely handcrafted for that specific company's position. Yeah, you can't do this in 30 minutes. No. She spent a couple days pulling it together, and she really likes this company and really would like to work for them, do work for them. And, and she may end up doing freelance work first before she goes on board, but she wanted to stand out from everybody else who was applying. And so she literally put together, because they want somebody to do ebooks for their customers and blog posts. And so, you know, she put together this, this package that actually showcased her writing in the application for the position. That's brilliant. You know, one of the things that I talk about, one of the strategies is, is having a hot list of uh, dream clients. And mm-hmm. this actually is directly applicable to that strategy. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of work you should be putting into that. Because if these are your dream clients, yeah, you know, you better be doing some things that are way above and beyond what anybody else is doing. Um, tell me a little bit about, because I've seen you write and talk a lot about, especially recently, about bringing ideas to your prospects. Yes. And this is this is not a new idea, but based on what you've shared with us so far, I, I think this really there's just hasn't been a better time to be that person than there than it is today. Well, yes, because if you take a look at today's prospects, you know, like I said earlier, they are crazy busy. I mean, everybody that we're trying to reach right now has more on their plate that is than they're capable of doing. And so if people come at them the same old, same old way they're they're immediately dismissible. But if somebody invests time, again, this goes back to investing time and learning about them, and comes to them with some ideas on how they could, um, for example, if you, if you might be looking at a company and do some work and you go to your website, their website, and you see that their website really is bad. I mean, to be able to propose some ideas, you know, on, on four, idea, four ideas that might help you gain more traffic, and very specific ones that would you know, that the person who would read it would go, oh, that's interesting, you know, and you could say, like, for example, on this particular blog post, it was really a good blog post, but I think you missed an opportunity to direct people to sign up for that ebook on this particular page. So, you know, actually using your intelligence to show where there are more opportunities and how they might leverage their website better, or to take an existing ebook and show them how they could turn it into seven other pieces of content that they could use in different ways. But again, not, you know, it's not that you're doing work for them. It's just you are investing your brain on their work because they are looking for people who can do that. And you stand out from the crowd when you do it. You stand out big time from the crowd 
I mean, that was one of the things I actually know because my daughter showed me this thing, but she actually took this company's ebook and showed them other ways they could use it. I, and I, I love that idea. Uh, and I'm wondering, in terms of getting, getting a little more specific here, when you're approaching prospects, mm-hmm. do you think it makes sense to say, look, I have some ideas um, or and, and see if, if, if they'll go ahead and respond and you can or, or yeah. do you offer the ideas up front? I mean, I know your daughter's case is one example of how you put the ideas out there first. I think what you have to do, and again, um, what you have to do is you have to tempt people. Because and if you're a writer, you know, partly you have to create temptation. So you have to look at every contact that you have with a potential client as a demonstration of your writing. Uh, and, and I don't know if people think about it that way. But to me, you know, if you're and, and I speak a lot with marketing about marketing and content, because that's the world I spend a lot of time in, whether a lot of writers are involved. But, you know, if if you realize that they're trying to create the lead generation campaign, then you, your contacts with them should be a lead generation campaign in and of themselves. Do you know what I mean yes. by that? You know, so you think, okay, it may take, I'm trying to do a campaign with leads and we're trying to get people into the database, blah, 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 and we're going to reach out to them. We hope that they do this. Well, you need to think, I need to create a campaign to go after this company and I need to spread my thoughts out over multiple emails and build a case and tempt them and pique their curiosity, get them to want to you know, click onto my LinkedIn profile. So a first thing might be that, you know, that you've got some ideas, you know, you've been studying their website, or you've been looking at their content online, and you have some ideas very specifically on how they might, and then you have to um, use some business terminology, for example, uh, which might be attract more clients, or might leverage your existing content for multiple purposes, or something that the other person on the other end would go, oh, that that could be interesting. But you don't share the idea, you don't blop the idea out, you put it out there, mm-hmm. you know, just because you're trying to pique curiosity, and that's just plain good writing, you know, I'm trying to build people and pull them in. And I think what people don't realize, even when you're trying to reach out to somebody, and you've got an email that you're sending. I mean, an email today should be four sentences long to start with, you know, and most writers like to tend to overwrite at this point. But each sentence of the email has a very specific purpose. And the purpose is to get to the next sentence and keep people reading. Absolutely. You know, so if you say, hi, my name is Jill Conrath, and I'm a writer, and I'm checking to see if you need any additional writers. I mean, nobody cares about that. You know, and they just delete you right away. But if you might say, you know, I, you know, I, I was on your website and I saw this particular piece of content, and I was looking for other ways that you leverage the content, and I've got some really good ideas that you might find helpful. Can we set up a time to talk? You get a whole different response because you're pulling them in, and they're kind of going, "What the heck?" Well, she's got some ideas, and she's researched this, and she could know some stuff. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk. I mean, well, so you you have to realize that, that every interaction with your client is a demonstration of your writing skill. Well, and to extend the idea that you mentioned earlier about you're just trying to really buy your next half a second to the next sentence. That's right. What you're doing with this is, you know, you're, tr- you're trying to buy some dialogue. You're, right. not, you're not trying to land a deal right here. What you're trying to do is to get them to toss the ball back to you. Yeah. And now you, you know you're playing ball and, and, you know, you can now engage them further. But um, gosh, you know, I think that's the hardest part today. It's just getting that dialogue started. It is the hardest part. And, and, you know, if somebody would come back to you and say, you know, I, I am interested. Let's set up a time to talk. That's cool. So then you have a conversation. You, and you, you, basically your conversation is around the, the thing, the idea that you have. It is 
what I think one of the single most important ways and easy ways to get a conversation going, but it requires a significant investment of your time doing research. You know, so you can't expect to get jobs through the numbers game anymore. It's a, it's through the focus on that fewer number and um, figuring out where you fit in and where your 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 skills might add value. So something might this might sound counterintuitive to a lot of people because I know that I've had people ask me, well, yeah, but don't prospects or prospective clients already know everything that there is about their problems and the solutions to those problems, and it's just really a time issue. And what would you say to that? I would say, no, they're always looking for help outside and they're too busy thinking about other things to think about what you're thinking about all the time. You know, and, and here's the other deal. Even if they know what you bring up to them, the fact that you mentioned it and invested the time shows them that you stand out from the crowd. So it almost doesn't even matter if they know what you, you know, if you're bringing up something that they already know. That's such a great point. Because you just stand out by doing it. Everybody else is trying to get hired and get a project. Instead, you you give them information. You give them ideas. You show them a way that could be helped. And the other thing I hear people say is, well, that's like giving away free consulting. It's not if it's part of a strategy. If it's part of a strategy to land projects with a company and to get your foot in the door, and getting your foot in the door creates one piece of project, which may be a loss leader for you because it takes you so much more time on the initial one. But your second project with them, you know, you break even and on your third and fourth project, it starts becoming a real profitable client to have. And so you do have to invest more time, but you're in it for the long run as opposed to the short run. So true. I, yeah. You can't, you can't look at it that way anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole, I'm, I'm giving it away. I mean, the business has changed. You have to do that anyway mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other thing I would add, and this is implied in what you said, Jill, but I cannot emphasize this enough because I've been on the other end where people are pitching me, take the time to do the research, go deeper than just, oh, I got these five ideas and within two minutes, I'm going to determine which ones I'm going to like offer this guy. Right. Because what happens is to me, it's actually a big turnoff for someone to approach me. Oh, I got these great ideas. You could be doing this, that, and the other. And I could tell that they didn't, they didn't look deep enough because they didn't understand my business well enough mm-hmm. to see the context mm-hmm. and to see that, well, that it's not going to work for me because of this. But the others who have taken the time to really explore everything that I'm doing, because I have several different websites and, and I'm doing all kinds of different things and really understand me, that really stands out. I know that that person took the time and yep. they get it. Yep. So their advice is going to be based on something real. Right. And, and the other thing, too, is that you don't want to propose five ideas. I mean, to, uh, I'm sorry for this noise. I've well, that, see, that's, that's, that's a customer calling. It is. See, it so, is. Because when you're, when you're good like that, see, <laughs> you, you, the phone rings. Yeah. I'm just going to let it keep ringing, you know. Customer be damned. There's more customers around every corner, right? <laughs> I'm it. just kidding with that. But um, you don't want to offer them a whole bunch because when you're talking with a crazy busy per- person, you want to offer one idea or thought per message. Again, because you're, you only want to capture their attention. You don't want to dump everything on them. And if you have five ideas for them, it's overwhelmed. But if you've got one idea that might be helpful, it's, it's manageable by a busy mind. Save the others, you know, save the others. You've got a conversation anyway. Well, you've got to have multiple messages to these people. I mean, they're not going to respond to the first one. Research is showing it's taking eight to 10 contacts 
So spread out your ideas over eight to 10 messages, you know, which is a very important point. I don't want that to get lost guys. This is, um, <laughs> if you're lucky if you can get a response the first time around. So this is, this yeah. is a persistence, but not about the old school persistence. I think it's really, like you said, right. It's, it's different value. I, yeah. And I think it's a creative endeavor too. I don't think people realize that there's creativity in this. I think they think it's the work part, you know, it's like, Oh, I got to do this in order to be, to get paid. But I mean, if, if writing is what you do or a big part of what you do or design or whatever, you need to think of it as part of your whole experience of working with you. So true. So true. So let, let's, um, let's move into a kind of a, a, a an adjacent area to all this, which is the something you've been writing a lot about recently. And in fact, you wrote a whole book about this, which I want to talk about as well. But this idea of how we as, as professionals need to really get up to speed very, very quickly in order to, to, to really get the attention of, of mm-hmm. buyers. So talk to, to us a little bit about that. Well, I think a lot of times, and I'll just say specifically because of writers, I'll just talk about it from an an immersion process um, as, and, and, I, and I say this because I do a lot of writing myself, um, anytime you go and have new projects that you have to work on, there's all this stuff you have to learn, you know, to do it and um, do it effectively. And there's a lot of there's a lot of skill involved in being effective and looking at what you really need to learn versus what you don't need to learn. And this is one of the things I really write about in the, in the new book is, is it's like taking a look at this ocean. You've got this new client and there's all sorts of stuff and they pile you up with stuff. You know, you should learn this, you should learn that, you should learn all this. And you have to literally um, stop and use your brain before you actually dig into the project and start sorting. What do I need to know? You know, kind of do a scan at first and say, what do I need to learn now versus what can wait till later? It's a real important step. Otherwise, we spend our, too much of our time spinning, you know, and, mm-hmm. and with all the sea of information. So that's really one thing. And then we have to sequence it and say, how do we use it? And, and as a writer, you know, what are the stories we need to get in order to make this more effective? But there's a huge immersion part that I think people don't realize how to do an effective immersion from a writing standpoint and also from a selling standpoint. You know, when you get a new client, you got to get up to speed fast. And so it's real crucial. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about the book because that's exactly what you've put together here. And I know you've worked yeah. really hard over the past couple of years to, to do a lot of research and assemble this content. So tell us a little bit because I think it's, it's about to come out, right? It'll be out at the end of May. All right, super. So yeah. by the time this, we, we, we publish this, this show, you know, we'll be uh, a couple of weeks away from, from publication. But tell us the title and the premise and what, what people can get out of it. Yeah, I mean, the title is Agile Selling, and it's really about getting up to speed quickly. So if somebody wants to learn how to sell to a certain kind of client, they can read it, and they can very quickly figure out what do they need to learn about this client in order to effectively talk to them about what matters. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's really what it's about. If they want to learn how to get better at selling, it's some ideas on how to quickly improve your sales skills when it's not your natural strength. Or when you have to change what you do. And it's also about the success habits of people who are doing well in their selling. Mm -hmm. And is it strictly about how to get up to speed uh, with a company? Or could this be, it sounds like this has applications beyond this. 
it has multiple applications. I mean, it's really about, you know, I mean, you know, as a writer, it's applications from a writing perspective. I have to say that I hadn't thought of it before because I don't write for writers, but it's really about how to quickly get up to speed. And as a writer myself, I know I can see the application to just a particular project. But for somebody who is a writer who wants to get better at selling, this is about how to do that, too. And it's very specific you know, learn this, don't learn that. You know, here's what you have to waste your time on. Here's what you should forget because it's not important right now. And so I'm really trying to cut people's learning curve so that when they choose to sell, they can learn what's more important. Now, it isn't a book on skills. You know, that has to be learned. It's about what is it you need to learn so then you go do the other stuff and figure out that that information. I think this is especially applicable to to my listeners because – uh, there, I, I think f- freelance writers, um, I think freelance designers to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but possibly just creative types, period. Yeah. Um, th- there's two very prevalent personalities. One is just very creative. Everything sounds great. You know, the shiny object type thing, which makes it very, very difficult to get up to speed in, in a very focused way on something. And yes. the other is I have a lot of perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Who are listeners and mm-hmm. they wait and wait and wait until everything is perfect and then they take action. Right. But, you know, unfortunately, there are many situations today where you can't afford to take that kind of time, you know, so right. I think that I, I can see how this book can can help both of those personalities. Yeah, the creative person has some discipline that they need to bring to the process in order to um, attract the corporate decision maker. I mean, that, that's the reality. I mean, creativity is wonderful. Um, I love creativity, but it needs to be honed down and you need to know where to focus so you don't waste all your time on delightful pursuits uh, that, that are fruitless. Yeah. You know, and, and again, in working with the corporate decision maker, the one thing I found for the perfectionists that are listening right now is that um, virtually all corporate decision makers like to add their two cents and they don't expect perfection. They expect you to come and they want to change things. They have to change things, and there is no such thing as perfection. And if you can get your writing to you know eighty-five or ninety percent, you've really done a good job. That's so true. I mean, from a first draft standpoint, there is no perfection, and and I and I learned that myself too. I mean, it's like at first I felt like I you know had to be like perfect, or they wouldn't love me, or they'd feel like they'd made a mistake. But I, I quickly realized that they needed to get their hands on it. They needed to touch it themselves, and they needed to tell you that they wanted you to change the sentence around or this had to be here first. I mean, that they have this need to, to touch it and change it. I come across that quite a bit. I think it's a very accurate assessment. So, Jill, I guess wrapping up, um, where can people learn more about the book? And I think you have, you're doing something with pre-orders. So tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the book, everything will be on my website at jillconrath.com and it'll be under books or they can, I think it's agilesellingbook.com will direct people directly to it. Um, but the book will be available for sale on May 29th. But I have a special pre-order campaign. I've got a, a workbook, an Agile Selling Jumpstart Guide that I'll be putting out that's a special supplement to the book, as well as I'm interviewing some people who are bringing some interesting information to it. I'm interviewing Daniel Pink, who wrote To Sell Us Human, which I suspect a lot of people <laughs> hear. I love Daniel Pink. Yeah, I love Daniel Pink, too, and, and he, he talks a lot about the research and stuff. I mean, he's a writer who hated selling, too, and one day realized that, oh, my God, so much of the work he was doing was 
selling. In order to do his craft and to get paid for it, he had to sell. And so he kind of opened himself up to what did it all mean. Um, you know, and I talk with him about that and what he learned in his research. I'm also talking um, to Heidi Grant Halverson, who wrote Succeed and uh, Nine Things Successful People Do Differently. And she's a professor. Great books. Um, but we're talking about goal setting and motivation, especially when you're doing something hard like selling as it applies to selling. And then I'm also interviewing um, Brett Adamson, who's from the challenge, who wrote the book, The Challenger Sale, about how to get buy-in and buy-in when you have a group of decision makers involved. Oh, that's and great. Be, that's, that's all in the, the, the pre-order package? These are all part of the pre-order package. Those will be audio so people can download and listen to as well. Oh man, I'm in. Special guide. <laughs> I'm in just for the just I for the Dan one too. <laughs> Pink. Yeah, just for the Dan Pink one. I mean, they all sound fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and all right, so all this will be at JillConrath.com, and right. uh, people can learn more about it there. We'll make sure to include a link to all that in the show notes as well. So, Jill, thanks so much for coming on today. This is always always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, this is wonderful advice. Thanks so much. It was fun to be here again, Ed. Well, I hope you enjoyed that talk with Jill. As you can see, she really is a, a very smart lady. She has a finger on the pulse of what's really happening out there. I love it that she's uh, not only using these same techniques to build her own solo business, but she works with a lot of, of clients to put these ideas into practice and refine them. So she's got a great testing ground to see what's working, what's not working, and so forth. So I hope you take this to heart, and I hope you walked away with some valuable tips that you can start applying right away. I wanted to remind you that you can grab the details show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 51. These make great reference material, especially if you're somewhere right now where you can't take notes, you're working out or you're driving or you're walking or what have you. I know that's where uh, I get a lot of value when I listen to podcasts is going back to the show notes and referencing key material. I had a couple of quick announcements, and one of them is that if you're an established B2B or commercial writer and you're earning between $40,000 and $80,000 a year, somewhere in that neighborhood, and you'd like to double your income over the next 12 to 18 months, stay tuned for an email from me next week, late next week. I'm, I'm working on something that I'm crazy excited about, and I'm going to be making an announcement about it late next week. It's something I've been working on for a while and I I just can't wait to share it with you guys. So if you fit that profile, if that's something you aspire to, if you're looking to really uh, take a game to the next level, then this is something that you want to be on the lookout for. Also, I've gotten some super, super nice emails from many of you recently thanking me for the show and for the value that you're getting out of it. I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. And I, I truly mean that. I know a lot of people say that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And in fact, many of these same individuals who have emailed me have asked me, hey, how can I give back? You know, how can I return the favor? And, you know, honestly, if you feel compelled to do so, there's, there's a couple of easy ways you can you can do that. And, and the first is to share this show with a colleague or two who you think might benefit from it. I know many of you are already sharing it. In fact, it's the number one way the word about the show has spread is, is through word of mouth. The second thing is 
leaving me a star rating or just a short and, and honest rating in iTunes. Rankings, I mean, the uh, uh, ratings and reviews in iTunes do play a significant part in the rankings of the show. And rankings are important because the higher the show ranks, and by the way, this show has ranked way up at the top of the hot category in business and in career since day one. But keeping it there, keeping it very high near the top, increases the chances that people who've never heard of the show will come across it. So if, if you're willing to do that, I would really appreciate it. Uh, in fact, I'd like to shank, uh, thank a couple of people who have left reviews recently. Uh, Ashtaman, and by the way, these are their iTunes names. Uh, Ashtaman, Robin Warshaw, and Helen Lane. I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. But you guys, thank you so much. Uh, I read all the reviews, and um, I, they bring a big smile to my face. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. So that brings us to the end of the episode. I am your host, Ed Gandia. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.